magnify. You are worthy to be praised, worthy to be adored, worthy to be glorified, magnified. You are highly exalted, highly, highly exalted, highly exalted, highly exalted above all the earth. We thank you, Father, for the blessing of Amos 9.13. We receive it in our health, Lord. We receive it in every area of our lives, but especially health. Let us take this to the place you want us to take it to, Father. Not just for us, but for others that we would pray for, we would minister to. Open doors of utterance for us, Father, to plant seeds of your gospel. Give us more boldness for those of us who are reluctant. Give us more boldness that we would boldly proclaim your word. And we thank you for it, Lord. We bless you. We praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Just so I don't forget, at the end of service, when I pray for people, if we could have like an anointing uh, opportunity so I can pray over these new, Pastor Shirley and I can pray over these new pillows that are out here and and uh, make sure people have an opportunity to receive the anointing. Uh, Miss Nola had an a encouraging praise report. Everybody know Sherry Jr. that we've been praying for, a friend of, friend of a friend of, who was uh, really pronounced dead, I think, and, and uh, was in a coma for quite a long time. Uh, she ate her first meal, solid food, by herself today, recently. Amen. Amen. So, so... We have this pillow. I know many of you have prayed for her and agreed for her initially, but we have one for her. I didn't. I was pretty sure she had a child, and uh, is it one child? Two, two boys. Amen. And those boys need their mom. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And 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 we think we need we agree with that. So we have a pillow for her. I got a very limited number of these for Mother's Day. It says, she is clothed with strength and dignity, and she laughs without fear of the future. And so, amen. So she's, I believe that she's going to have a good future in the name of Jesus. So I'm going to give this to Pastor Shirley, and she'll pass it around. You all lay hands on it and release the power of God. Just release your faith in what God is doing in her and is going to continue to do in her. And we thank God for it. We really, really do, because he's a miracle-working God. He is the only miracle-working God. So we're so thankful. We want to say hello to our, our friends on the Internet who are streaming live with us. We thank God for you. And we are looking for great things to happen by the power of God. And so it's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So believe God for big things, great things. Thank you, Lord. So we're, we're going to start on our word. I thought I would continue what we started last week because uh, there is so much to the terms of the covenant. And I was looking at my title from last week, and I thought, this is the term. I said terms of the new covenant, and then I thought terms of the new and better covenant. Amen? Because this is better covenant based on better promises amen even though the first covenant was glorious because it taught you right from wrong now we learn how to do right and continue to do right amen and so it's an easy thing with god that's what i want to stress to you that with god all things are possible 
And with the new covenant, all things are possible and all things are are easy and possible for us to do. Do we have a good enough battery in here or what do you think? Because it's fading. Okay. So, all right. So, um, praise God. If we can get that. You want me to keep going or? Okay. All right. Praise God. So, we're in John chapter 14. Amen. So, if you'll turn there. Uh, I think I got as far as maybe verse 14 or 15. And uh, let's see. Jesus was revealing himself to the disciples as the one who is called to do all of the things that the Father said the Messiah would do. So in this covenant, we see uh, terms that are more like a marriage than they are like anything else. This is not just a contract, but the the greatest thing that we can liken it to in the area that we live or that we have experience about is a marriage. And I can guarantee you, none of us really understands marriage the way we should or the way God wants us to because we talk about that being a mystery. Amen? The Bible talks about uh, the relationship between Christ and the church being a mystery very similar to marriage. And I think if people could understand one thing about marriage, it's something that you have to get into in order to understand it. Uh, And I think you can understand some basic things about marriage, enough to probably make uh, what we call, excuse me, we can make a, a semi-wholehearted commitment, <laughs> but in a marriage, there's always something stuck in the back of your mind that says, well, if this don't work out, yeah, because not many of us will give our lives for our spouses, but that is exactly what the Bible uh, requires us to do. It requires us to give everything that we have for the sake of that relationship because you have to understand that that it is worth it see if you if you understand what marriage is basically and what it entails it entails building a relationship that will last all of your earthly days and so if if you don't sow anything into it you you're not entitled to reap anything out of there's nothing there to reap you see and so it's the same thing with our relationship with Christ. We have to be willing to sow into this relationship with Christ in order to get something out of it. So, okay, we've lost the cover off of the pillow. What happened to it? Is it? Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah, we can keep that on. That would be good. Amen. So then, yeah, that'd be great. And it, it'll, it'll penetrate through. Yeah, that'd be good. So I made sure I covered it up so it wouldn't be. When it comes to you, Avis, you slid it right back in there. So, okay, so in, in, in this relationship with Christ, we have to enter in not holding anything back. But we do, don't we? Because we're always thinking, well, what is God going to do? If I give him everything, what's going to happen to me? See, we always want something reserved for ourselves. And God understands that. And so what God does, instead of demanding unconditionally our allegiance 
and our resources, everything that we have, he allows that to happen little by little. Now you think about it. He's satisfied with our little by little. Because he does not want to discourage us or leave us desolate or leave us uh, feeling like we don't have anything. That's why he says, let me find it for you. I am kind of getting ahead of myself. I got all kinds of ideas running through my head. God help me. (laughs) I get so excited about this. I just really do. I'm sorry. If you drop if you if you drop down to verse eighteen, why does he say in, in one the King James says, I will not lead you leave you comfortless and then over in the NIV he says, I will not leave you orphans. Because if anybody comes to you and tells you, Give me everything you got and I'll give you everything I got you'll feel stripped of everything that you have. And so Jesus wants us to know, I didn't come to take from you, I came to give to you. So he said, when that thought comes to you about, well, what's for me? What do I have? I got to give everything to God. What do I have left? What, when is I going to go get this? When am I? He said, I will not leave you comfortless. I won't leave you as an orphan. But he says, I will give you another comforter, one who knows how to feed that part of you that feels like you've been abandoned and feel like there's nothing left for you. And if I give everything to God, it's not worth it. See, if it weren't for the Holy Spirit, we would feel like that and we would feel like that legitimately. Because this is a faith operation. You've got to have the faith that no matter what, it's worth it to serve God. No matter what is required of you, it's worth it for you to serve God. If you look in the Bible and you look at the patriarchs, the ones that we look great faith, the Hebrews 11 people. That's what the, the ones you get halfway through that chapter and you quit reading because you can't even relate to all that stuff they're talking about. That chapter. Just like the Proverbs 31 chapter. When y'all get halfway through, when you read that she gets up early in the morning and starts cooking and all that for her family, you close the book. Just like I bought my husband, my late husband, a Bible once, I was going to rip Proverbs 31 out. I said, Ooh, Lord, if he read this, somebody in trouble. But I'm talking about them people, the patriarchs. They all had to go through the test of, if I give this, this is all that I have, and what's going to be there for me? See, if you're dealing only with a man's covenant, you've got a right to feel that way. Miss Pat said, oh. Ah, Miss Petra woke up now. She said, I might have to get me a little note and a paper. (laughs) I know that's right, girl. Huh? Because in a man's covenant, you're looking for that person you're married to 
to go above and beyond and then you realize that you're going to have to go above and beyond so i always tell married people i said don't be playing these blackmail games on each other huh locking me up yeah like i say to the married people i tell them don't be playing these blackmail games on each other i'm gonna work i'm gonna i'm gonna see what you do before i do something for you and if i feel like you ain't doing enough for me i'm gonna hold back See what I'm talking about? See, that's how we bring witchcraft into all of our relationships. That's how we do that. Got me? People in the world now will tell you there's such a thing as spousal rape. Anybody who ain't grown enough, go play with some or go to bed or something like that. But the Bible says that if you're married, your body does not belong to you anymore. You got to watch listening to your little worldly friends. You got to watch listening to your little worldly people. You got to watch. Because if you're a Christian and you're married, Jesus is your Lord and you got to obey him first and foremost see if you get it out of your mind about you doing something for him or he doing something for you and you're doing it as unto the lord you got an easy road but as long as you're looking at tit for tat did he do this for me and he he don't never do nothing for me and as long as you keep in score you will be a very unhappy camper and a covenant breaker you got me first thing god taught me how to do was forgive my husband for threatening to leave me which caused me to have a nervous breakdown do you understand what you hear you hear what i'm telling you now y'all listen to me and listen to me real good and get them stars out your eyes because marriage is not a gimme 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 proposition marriage is a covenant where you've got to obey god somebody in that marriage has got to lay down what they want for the sake of the whole marriage or that ship is gonna fall i remember many days cooking dinner with my mouth stuck out and hatred in my heart and all that I had to let God deliver me from that and heal me for that before I could before I could even get up and preach to anybody. You understand me? We got all these beat up, bruised, hating people running around calling put a stuck a title on top of all that hatred and all that wounds and all them bruises and call themselves a prophet and apostle and a minister. They need to quit. I see people on Facebook now married to somebody, looking for somebody else to marry, and people encouraging them to do it. Because you feel you're entitled to somebody because you're disappointed. No wonder you're disappointed. You ain't giving nothing in the marriage. 
Nothing from nothing leaves nothing. How you think you can you can reap out of a relationship you haven't sown anything into? All you do is sit up and watch and see what they doing because you think you're doing too much for them already. I don't blame her for not doing nothing to you. I, if I was married to Lucifer, I wouldn't do nothing for him either. I was going to be nice and talk about our... <laughs> Yes, praise the Lord. Our better covenant. (laughs) But see, the patriarchs all had to face that. With Abraham, it was kill your son. What? I threw one out the house for him. Now you're telling me to kill him. What's the deal? You know what God pretty much told Abraham? He said, I need somebody down here to believe me for the impossible. If that faith had never gotten into the earth, we couldn't believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ right now. And if you belong to God, he's going to use you to bring faith in the earth for something impossible for somebody. So just face that now. Everybody wants an easy road. They'll barely want to pray for what you get. If most of y'all could get away with it, just steal it from day one. And then claim your faith got it for you. Look what God blessed me with. Right. That little thief. The man got rings on his finger from the last marriage he was in. You claim it in yours. You know how they had that little dent in their fingers from. Or nowadays they don't have one. They don't even care to get married anymore. But what they do have is some DNA testing down at the courtroom. I'm going to leave that alone. <laughs> if they could pay somebody, no, I ain't going to go through that. Because we stop right where we at. But Jesus said this. He said, you know, I'm going to ask you to do some things in this relationship that are going to cause you some disturbance in your life. They're going to upset the little status quo. It's going to upset your little comfort zone. It's going to, and it's going to make you think that I don't love you. I've abandoned you. It hasn't come in fast enough. Some of you are going to even turn your back on me and say you don't want it anymore. I love this. We ask him for it. And then when we fall down on the job with our faith and we get mad at him for not giving it to us already, oh, faithless and perverse generation. But then because it takes so long, we start hating on the inside and then we don't want it anymore. And we tell tell God, you you came knocking on his door for this. He didn't tell you this was for you, necessarily. He didn't start the conversation like that. All he said was, ask anything in my name and I will do it for you. And in a fit of faith, 
you went and asked him for that. Now you've made up your mind. It's taken him too long to get it for you. And you didn't. You want to go? You want to take your marbles back out the game? I don't want to play no more, Jesus. Huh? You know why we don't want to play no more? Because we think we're on display somewhere. What them saints going to say about me when I don't get this or I get it and it's all funny looking and raggedy and crooked? That's why a lot of y'all don't want to bring nobody that's already saved up in here. You know, most of us who start praying when we're young expect the answer to come in looking the same age we, we started when we preached, when we start, first started praying. If, he, if, if, you, if you've been serving God any length of time, you're going to come in here looking like you, hiding the gray. <laughs> and you know how when, they, when they're young, it's, it's all up here. Well, when they get middle-aged, it goes, <laughs> So if he looking like that, then you're scared to bring him around the saints because you think the saints watching you to see what he's going to look like when he come in here. Huh? You just missed the day of your visitation. Huh? You just missed it. You just missed it. So Jesus says here, I will not leave you as orphans. In other words, anything that I ask you, anything that's required of you is doable. Not only is it doable for you, but I will help you to do it. I will lead you in doing it. I will empower you to do it. I'll give you the confidence to do it. I'll give you the peace to do it. I'll make it so easy for you to obey me. Why? Because he's at the right hand of God interceding for you, which means if you start out doing something for God and you mess it up, then Jesus is able to go back and intercede for you to be forgiven of what you did wrong, to start all over again and treat you like you never messed anything up and start all over again. Our problem is we don't really understand what we have. Because if the devil can keep you from understanding what you have in God, then that's his major job to do. He keeps lying to us about, oh, God, who do you think you are? He ain't going to do that for you. How could you ask for that? You don't even have X, Y, and Z. How can you ask for this? But see, God wants us to know that this is such a strong and unlimited covenant. It's unlimited, which means that there is no limit to how great a thing you can ask. There's no limit to how small a thing he has consideration over for you. There's no limit to anything that you can ask God for. And he puts things on our hearts to desire so that he can develop our faith and develop our character. So this has much more to do with just you receiving things that you think you like or you might like. This has much more to do. This has everything to do with you developing the character of Christ, which is so much more valuable for you and so much more valuable for him. He wants people on this earth that look like him. He could care less what you have in your garage, what you have in your apartment, your pocket, or your bank account. He wants a bride down here that's going to look like him. 
And he wants us to stay in that place of believing him until these things come to pass. So in in John chapter 14, I think we talked about the terms of the covenant up until about verse 14. He says, you shall ask anything in my name and I will do it. That is so simple. Anything. He doesn't care. He said anything. What we have to do is quit weighing things in our own minds see we're the ones who add the value to them god has no values he don't care if you ask for a mercedes a million dollars or whatever it is but you better believe he's going to start you out with a seed and many times the seed looks nothing like the plant we've gone over this before you want tomatoes but when the tomato first comes, you know that little thing that's inside your tomato that you eat? That's the seed. So it looks nothing like that. It's the same thing with everything he gives us in, in, in life. That seed looks nothing like the finished product. That's even true in our relationships. The person that you marry looks nothing like the finished product that God is developing on the inside of that person. Why are you judging that person as not being worth anything? Why are you judging that person? You don't know what's going on on the inside of that individual. You don't know what God's developing in that person. If we could leave people alone and let God develop them, we'd be a whole lot better. Are we a whole lot happier, a whole lot more content? Just let God do his thing and let him guide your prayers. Don't you go praying something you think you want for that person. You pray God's will into that person's life. That's what Christ would do. Jesus needed nothing from his disciples. Do you understand that? And he prayed for them earnestly every single time he went to pray. He prayed for those that God had given him as a good shepherd. He even prayed for Judas. He had a bad apple there and knew he was a bad apple and knew what he was going to do. And he still loved him and prayed for him just the same. What are you doing with the Judases in your life? Because we all got them. But it's not your job to point the finger at them or to hate them. It's your job to love them. Judas was stealing from the... Amen. Judas was stealing from the offering all the time. Mary came in to anoint Jesus for his burial, show you how goofy Judas was. And Jesus trusted him, kept him around, gave him a job to do, just like he gave her to treat everybody the same. Mary comes in to anoint Jesus for his burial, and Judas says, well, she shouldn't be wasting that. That's wasting on you. We could sell that and give it to poor. Listen, Judas, you ain't giving the poor nothing no way. You steal it from the poor because we got a basket for the poor already. You take it out of it. So don't play us in here. You're going to have a lot of thieves in your life. Are you kidding me? You have people, just uh, my suggestion is don't marry them and don't embrace them on purpose. See, you, you can put them to the Judas test real quick. Huh? find out what they do when they don't get their way one time scared to do that 
I'm going to quit right there while we're ahead. He said, ask anything in my name and I'll do it. He's going to ask you some things to do for him in his name that you're not going to want to do. And don't put it off forever. See, we all got something sitting on the shelf that we knew we know. And see, that's always the last thing we think we need to do in order to get us to the place we want to go. Always. God says, continue to love this person. I know they hate you. I know they talk bad about you. I know all that stuff about it, but I'm telling you to love them anyway. Huh? Because if you don't do that, you know better than a sinner. Sinners like people that like them. You ever been around a bunch of people that, that dope together? They cool as long as they all take their turns getting dope. But if they find one that's sponging all the time, they throw them out of there. huh? And that's what we do in the church many times. As Christians, we find somebody who violates one of our little commandments that we carry around on the inside of us. And we're ready to, ready to cast them over. Huh? Oh, yeah. Did you know that God has that person in your life to test you and prove you to see what you would do? And I'm not talking about just one time. I'm talking about a lifetime. Oh, it's quiet. Y'all can exhale. It's okay. More's coming, I guess. I don't know. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. And Jesus took great pains to talk about him. In 14, verse 15, he said, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father. So he says, your, your key to receiving from me and receiving my prayer and the benefit of that is that you will do what I tell you to do. And, yeah, you're going to miss it sometimes. And, yeah, you're going to mess up sometimes. But that's what my blood, that's, we're, we're talking about the blood in the new covenant. He said, so this isn't putting the curse on you or punishing you when you do wrong. So when you belong to God, you have to have a new mindset about your behavior, your faults, your failings, your mess-ups. You have to have a new mindset about that. And the interesting thing is, as you extend that mercy and that forgiveness to others, God extends it back to you. So, so this is a covenant door you can't get into and rob God blind. You're invited to be forgiven as you forgive other people. I remember when, when God was, was healing me. And I read a scripture, you know, that scripture is a parable about the man that uh, went to, he was in a large amount of debt, went to his creditor, and his creditor readily forgave him a huge debt. Then he goes around the corner and runs into a buddy of his that owes him a little bit of money, and he takes him to court and has him thrown in jail. And God showed me, he said, this is the key to your deliverance, and it will be the key to your life. He said, because your husband who made a mistake in your marriage, you are holding him in prison because he hurt you and he disappointed you. 
and you are in prison right now. You're depressed, you're suicidal, and you're in the hands of your tormentors because you will not let him out of jail. He said, if you let him out, I'll let you out. But not until. God doesn't care how depressed you are, how much a victim you are, how people do you wrong, how they don't respect you. how He don't care nothing about that. But you've got to forgive them in order to step into this covenant. He said, because I've ordained for you to be like me, and that's what I would do. He said, and you're not serving is not above their master. What you saw me do, he said, I'm going to have to do. He said, in fact, I washed the disciples' feet. He said, I want you to wash one another's feet. In other words, you're going to have to bow to whatever it is that's going on in your life and allow God to deliver you out of that. Those are the terms of this covenant. Because that's what love is. That's what Jesus would do. He would love and forgive. And so I found out that little by little, I got restored in my mind. The devil quit tormenting me so badly as I was able to forgive. If I stopped in forgiveness, I got tormented more. I said, oh, God, I see you see you're serious about this. You don't play. I thought, well, this is a new infraction, God. They did something else to me. He did something else to me. Maybe it's okay for me to hate him now. God said, oh, no, you don't. He said, new stuff. He said, you're going to always have to forgive him and everybody else. He said, if, you're, if you don't master this, you won't be a very good minister. You won't be a very good Christian. Because you must master this. You must forgive in spite of what they do you have to forgive in spite of how often they do it you have to forgive in spite of their intent we always want to run around and find out if they did it on purpose or not who cares you're stuck with the guilt hangover you're stuck with the tormentors so you won't get any farther than than you are able to forgive all that's why it's hard for people to get me involved in conversations where they want to condemn too much. You understand what I'm saying? Everybody does some little stupid stuff. But if I see people are on a thing with it, I have to back out of that. Because, see, I paid the price of hell already. You ain't getting me back in there. It took me too long. took me too many years. And every Christian I ran into was living in some kind of sin or some kind of you know, hypocrisy, pretending to be. And God told me, he said, no, I'm not going to bring anybody to you to get this for you. You're going to get this from me. And once you get it from me, you got it. Do you understand what I'm saying? And that's true for everything we get from God. You have a personal covenant with God. And what he wants you to have, you got to get it directly from him. You can read it in the word and you can get good sermons and all of that. But you've got to do this word in order to receive of this covenant. And it's not hard. Because Christ paid the penalty for all of this. Your forgiveness comes so easy if you learn how to put it over on him. The minute it happens, confess, ask God's forgiveness and get it over on him. And learn how to live free of condemnation. Honey, the devil can't condemn what he can't find. (laughs) 
And you don't fool anybody. We all got a little bit of, you know, a little tribulation here and there. Everybody's got some trouble in their life they're dealing with. We can get out of other people's minds and heads about us. We'd be fine. That's the oldest trick of the devil. Get you thinking about you again. He says, and I will do whatever you ask in my name. Why? Because that brings glory to the Father. So the Father can be glorified in the Son. What do you mean, Jesus? For the Father be glorified in you? What about me? He said, oh, no, I'm the one who's doing that through you. So he's the power on the inside of you doing the work. He said, I'm teaching you how to obey my commandments and how to trust me to help you through these things so you're not doing them by yourself. You're not an orphan. You're not alone. You're not without help. You're not without counsel. You're not without strength. You have me doing the work on the inside of you. All you got to do is quit fighting me and go along for the ride. That's why it's a better covenant based on better promises. You know, Lord told me, he said, he said you're going to stop asking, asking me certain things. And it's something that, that you know I must ask because I tell y'all, y'all asking it. I know what we all do. He said, whenever things are not going at the speed of Barb, he said, quit asking me what you've done wrong. And it's not because you haven't done. So don't get all glorious about it. When can we clap, you know? He said, quit asking me. He said, because I'm not blessing you on your righteousness he said i'm blessing you when you have sense enough to realize that you can't do it and you got to stop putting on yourself and start putting on me because it's my righteousness that i have to see in order to bless you he said, if you did, if you did, you know, like Catholics would give you all them, them rosaries to pray if you do so. He said, if you did all of that and then some, it wouldn't move me one little bit. He said, what I want to see is my character coming through you and you trusting me to help you to do these things. Huh? See, that'll get you where you don't worry about overweight. You don't worry about smoking. You know, if people still smoke, some people do, some people don't. You know, you can make anything a project if you want to. He said, you will quit thinking of yourself as a project and start living in my grace and my mercy and enjoying what I'm doing in you. And let me handle that when it's time for me to handle that. Don't put me on your schedule. Don't put me on anybody else's schedule. Just let me put you on my schedule so I can take care of these things. He says, if you abide in me and I abide in you, you'll bear much fruit. He wants us to bear fruit. That's the whole purpose of this. Verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I'll pray the Father give you another comforter that he may live with you forever. The Holy Spirit is the one that is your ticket to heaven he's your ticket to everything down here and he's also your ticket into heaven 
He said, even the spirit of truth. If the Holy Spirit doesn't bear witness to it, I don't care how good it sounds, it's not true. Sometimes it can be a fact, but it's not the truth God wants you to receive right now. So if it's not for you right now, it's not the spirit of truth that's helping you to understand it. And he says, and the world does not, he said, because it sees him not, the world, he's the invisible spirit of the living God. The world doesn't see him, nor does it know him, but you know him, for he lives in you and shall be with you. So for those of you who are lonely, everybody's lonely at some point. I was married and was lonely. I hate to keep doing this to y'all, but the people are going to think I hate marriage <laughs> or whatever. I don't know. Because uh, I didn't recognize who was inside of me. Helping me. I ignored him. And I remember reading a scripture one time, and it kind of perplexed me. And I said, oh, God. I said, let me think about that for a minute. And I saw a vision on, you know, just in my mind of me sitting down in a chair. Like, you remember the desks we had? I shouldn't say this. Y'all going to say, how old is she? See us? Uh, Holy Ghost, help me. But you remember the, the minute, yeah, with the little arm there, and you sat in there, and you kind of scooted your, couldn't get in there now, but hey, I was working it. But uh, I was sitting at one of those. So it was like a younger, a picture of somebody young that needed teaching. And so as I sat in there, there was somebody who was talking to me and doing like this. Now listen, let me show you this, Barb. Now listen, look at that. And was making sure I understood what it was that I read. And see, God may give you a different picture of the Holy Spirit, but to me, that was helping me because learning was the thing that I loved above all other things. I could get rejected by everybody, and I could go into my little world and think about what I read in school and think about my books, and I was happy. And God touched that part of me to show me that I was not by myself. I wasn't an orphan. I wasn't rejected, and I wasn't unloved. And for you, he will give you a picture of what you treasure. And the Holy Spirit is that in your life. At the time I found the Lord, I was housebound. Could not get out of the house. I wanted to go to church and learn, but I couldn't sit in a service. Thank God I couldn't. But he introduced me to the teacher. And see, by the time I got in church, they started preaching lies, and I never believed them because I had the truth in me already. See, you'll run into a lot of religion in your life. But it never took. They would say, if you don't do this, God won't bless you. And I said, no, I know know that's not true because I got that already. You understand me? And so when the teacher, see, because I was not an orphan, I was adopted. And I knew I was adopted. Somebody wanted me. You got me? That's why I could care what anybody says. I could care what God asked me to do. 
he's already put it in me i don't have to get on facebook and prove i'm a prophet and i don't have to prophesy to y'all and get money from you to prove i'm worth something i passed that go so long ago it's pathetic and see if god can get that into everybody he'll make you somebody he wants you to be not what you other people think you're supposed to be I see people struggling with material things. I say, now how crazy is that? You saved. I don't care if y'all like that or not. That was free. See, when you've had to crawl to hell and back and crawl through again, you'll understand what it means to be divorced from the world. Care less about the world. If I make mistakes, I'll ask you to forgive me, but that's on you. I'm not going to tell you I'm not going to make mistakes. I'm not going to tell you I'm not going to offend you sometimes. But I forgive you, you forgive me, and we keep it moving. You understand? I have him to please. All I got to do is love you and do what he tells me to do towards you. And it ought to be all good. So he says, the spirit of truth, verse 17, who the world cannot receive because he can't see him. Worldly people only deal with the visible realm. You got me? That's all they know. So don't expect highfalutin spiritual things from worldly people. You got me? So expect them to do what they do. He says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world sees me no more, but you see me because I live. You shall live also. So he says, you're going to live in a realm that the world cannot appreciate and the world won't know because they can't see it. Why do Christians always try to imitate the world when they get up there? They get somewhere and they want to, you know, the music. They drag that stuff from the world, want to bring it into church and make it sound like it's okay. They'll even tell you, well, God gave us music first. Yeah, but you got that from Lucifer. And I know it because it's got its brand on that. You ever hear that music sound too good? Well, then you know what I'm talking about. Uh He says, yet a little while the world will see me no more. He's talking about his crucifixion. He said, because I live, you shall live also. At that day, you shall know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Jesus will give you evidence that God lives in you. He that has commandments, uh, has my commandments and keeps them, he's the one who loves me. Now, what can be simpler than that? You've got to obey Jesus. In order, you got, number one, you've got to know what he expects out of you. It means that you, you know, just running to church all the time ain't going to get it, baby. You've got to get in your word. And you got to love that word. He says, and he that loves me shall love my father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. He will make himself known to everybody. Anybody reaching out to him that wants to do right, Jesus will make himself known to them. And Judas said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, if a man loves me, he'll keep my words and my father will love him. All you got to do to have the love of the father is to do what he tells you to do. 
and we will come to him and make our abode with him in other words we'll live with you he that loves me not does not keep my sayings and the word which you hear is not mine but the father's which sends me these things have i spoken to you being yet present with you but the comforter which is the holy ghost who is to come the father will send him in my name every time you drop the name of jesus in faith the holy spirit shows up and begins to work with you and help you and validate that which god is trying to communicate to you holy spirit uh, catherine kuhlman found this out she married some man wasn't supposed to marry him you know some people just bad at picking you know after she got out of that and god established her in the ministry she tried to get married again and did get married again had no peace whatsoever and then she finally settled on the fact that that comfort that she thought she was seeking from man was not going to do because the holy spirit was over here and here she's over here and she chose him over here and never strayed again you got me god says that that he will help you to keep my commandments he says he said verse 21 he that has my commandments and keeps them he it is that loves me you can't love god without doing what he tells you to do you're loving something else you're loving you you don't want to go back on your word to somebody something is there in the place of god i'm thankful i think i just had to cling to god because i had nothing else and then when i did have other things and they tried to take the place of god i chose god over and over and over again you got to train yourself that way or you will lose sight of who you are you'll get into disobedience against god disappointment against god he says if a man loves me keep my word verse 23 and the father will love him will come and and stay with him he that loves me not keeps not my commandments and the word which you hear is not mine but the father's which sent me these things i've spoken to you being yet present with you but the comforter which is the holy ghost who the father will send in my name shall teach you all things bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever i've said to you you know many times people think about things you get older you think about oh my memory you know if i forget something and (laughs) for a minute sometimes i say it joking but after a while and words catch up with you and i remember thinking one one time i was looking for something i said oh god so uh, it's always my glasses so if rachel's around i said rachel i said get baba's glasses i would help me find my glasses i'm like desperate you know i asked a little kid to help me find something and so i thought about asking her one time and my eyes fell on where my glasses were now why i'm so upset about glasses i mean you know what i'm saying come on now i got if i can fumble around in my purse i'll find another pair somewhere you know what i'm saying that kind of stuff but it started bugging me about my mind about remembering because you know when you get older which i'm not copping to okay y'all can book me on old charges if you want to but i'll never stay guilty 
but I noticed my friend the teacher started keeping up with my glasses for me. (laughs) You know what? Once God has a certain place in your life, he's jealous to keep that place. He won't let anybody else have that place in your life. Young people, get God in that place in your heart first because that will protect you from falling in the hands of the wrong person. See, because God will jealously guard and defend that place in your heart and in your life that he has carved out for himself. And when it's time for you and the right person for you, he will release that to you to share with somebody else. But he won't do it before you. If you get him in the right place in your life, you don't have to worry about the wrong person unless you go totally stupid. You know, some. People are so afraid of other people. Huh? I'm not scared of nobody. Huh? Why? It's not me. It's the Holy Spirit. He wants to friend people. He wants to love people. He wants to reach out to people through me. So that takes the fear. Perfect love casts fear out. You have the love of God in you toward people. That that fear will leave you. So you don't have to be afraid. You know, people, oh, you're going to pick the wrong person. Ain't no wrong person. Huh? Unless you're messing around with sinners. Now you go into bars and you're on the Internet and you can't figure out if they're saved or not. You're not trusting God for this. But if God so chooses, he won't even let you warm up to nobody. You understand what I'm saying? You'd have to be faking it big time to make a mistake. But God covets that place in our lives. And he protects that. You don't have to protect nothing. All you have to do is obey God and walk in the right way. So the Holy Spirit will always teach us. He says, verse 26, the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, who the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives. So let not your heart be troubled, neither let you be afraid. Don't let fear run your life. Fear you're going to miss out on something. Fear you're not going to get the right this. That's that's for worldly people. You can live in confidence in this world. If you're living for God and you've made a sincere prayer to him for the things that you desire, you can be confident and not fearful. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to worry about if I make a commitment to somebody, if I marry this guy, is he going to walk all over me? No, you just make sure you don't walk all over him or try to. Because a lot of brothers don't take walking on too kindly. You understand what I'm saying? They got some for chicks that try to walk on them. So you just, you just be concerned about being the kind of person God wants you to be in the relationship. Huh? Can you give too much? Absolutely not. That went over real big. I'm thinking about y'all. I preached to myself. When I got saved, my husband was dying, and I didn't know it. 
because he was in sin. Uh, sinners are dying people, folks. How do you treat dying people? I'm not going to go there with y'all. You mistreat dying people? You demand too much from dying people? How do you treat dying people? You treat them with love. You pray for them. You find out what they need. You try to make their life comfortable, make it better. Now, if that ain't the game you want to play, you forget about getting married. Forget forget about Christianity. If that's not the game you want to play, it's a whole show. I remember talking to somebody. Well, my husband, I, I don't want to reconcile with him. I said, well, here we go. How do you do with this one? Because, you know, somebody's feelings going to get hurt in that kind of conversation. Because you're talking to somebody who started out with grounds for divorce and grounds for and grounds for everything, but chose God's way. Ooh, yeah. You mean to tell me if somebody or you ain't getting beat? When when years later, after my husband did get saved and he got cancer. God reminded me of the early days. And he said, did I give you any time to complain about him and walk away and separate and say, oh, it's just for a season until God works on him. We'll get back together again. He said, did I give you time for that? And I thought back. I said, you know what, God? You don't give us time to choose our own way and then come back again. You know why? Had just enough time to pray to get him saved. Just enough time to show him Jesus would heal him because he loved him that much. Just enough time to minister to him as he was dying. Just enough time for that to get him saved before he died. And see, I've seen people who play that game. And then that loved one that they divorced or whatever dies later, and they're tormented in their minds because all the devil tells them, you didn't get a chance to pray for them and see them say, what kind of Christian are you? See, I learned how to live above my tormentors a long time ago. Huh? You learn you learn how to live among your above your tormentors when there's not much at stake. What you mean, not much at stake? God said I was going to have a husband that's going to love me like Christ loved a church. Well, if you act like the church, you get one that loves you like the church. He's supposed to do, honey, he's supposed to do nothing. Because you're not his judge. supposed to do the same thing you're supposed to love god obey god without anybody judging him but god it's all right i don't care i'm gonna read some more so he says did i get to verse 28 yet yeah jesus said he gives you a covenant of peace not this worldly peace worldly peace is merely a feeling and easily removed 
Many people mistake God's peace for an absence of fear or an absence of anger or an absence of some other disturbing emotion that we feel from time to time. But God's peace is not like that. God's peace means that you're whole in your soul. That you're not worried about anything. You're not worried about your relationship. You're not worried about how somebody's going to treat you because they don't look at you like you think they ought to look at you. Huh? You're not worried about uh, pleasing somebody that you're just trying to pull one more trick out of your bag to see if you can get them to respond the way you a little witch. Keep telling y'all to stay out that witchcraft. You stay out of that long enough for God to really show you something. Well, cast it out in the name of Jesus. Amen. One witchcraft leaving in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Yeah, baby needs to be free too. Praise the Lord. That's why you bring them so they can get delivered. Praise God. Amen. <laughs> See, you parents who struggle with your kids and paid the price to drag them to church, all you don't have to, to worry with a lot of that kind of nonsense. Kids coming home and rolling their eyes at you and won't talk and trying to intimidate the whole family. You've never had to deal with that. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. No devil can stick to your kid in Jesus' name. Amen. You have a, a composure that's totally undisturbed. And trust me, the devil will bring people to you to try to disturb your peace. Huh? Tell you all kind of just, oh. You know, I like the way you do this. I'll be careful of people like to flatter you all the time. And only when they need something. Huh? <laughs> the comforter. He said, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, I give it. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. You're afraid of growing old by yourself. I was off and on throughout my life. Sometimes that's why people get married. That's why they have children. What happens if you all of that leaves you? I'm not prophesying nothing to nobody. But if you don't have it yet, you have to face that possibility as well. But see, if you have God's peace about you, his undisturbed composure, you're not living out of your natural life. I don't care how many loved ones you have in it. I don't care how many great things you do for God, for other people, if you're a minister, all that kind of stuff. There has to be something anchoring you into God and into his kingdom that cannot be moved. I don't care if it all leaves. You got me? You, amen, you got to abide. And if you know how to abide in that place before you receive anything, you'll know, and the devil won't be able to move you if it's ever threatened to be removed from you. You got me? But you've got to abide in that place in God. So our relationship to a father and the son has to be so strong. 
that it's unbreakable. And the Holy Spirit is that unbreakable power. The world doesn't know the Holy Spirit. They can't appreciate him. Now, some people will know there are certain things God can make people aware of, but they don't, the world doesn't have that intimate relation. You are set apart and special and peculiar because you have an awareness of the Holy Spirit and what he can do. Just learn how to grow in that more. Learn how to increase in that all the more. He says, verse 28, he says, you have heard how I said to you, I'll go away and come again. And if you love me, you would rejoice because I said I go to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. So not only do you have a comforter that abides with you, but he will give you knowledge of somebody beyond this natural realm over into the supernatural realm who can do any and all things for you. You just think about it and ask in his name, and he'll do exceeding and abundantly beyond all you can ask or think. So what Jesus is saying here, this is a, it's an unlimited covenant. There's no limit to what God will do for you. So you can ask anything and don't let your mind tell you that's not for you. It is for you. You just keep asking, keep knocking, keep standing, keep believing, and God will do it for you. And he says, I go to the Father for my Father is greater than I am. And now I've told you, verse 29, before it came to pass, that when it comes to pass, that you will believe. Hereafter, I will not touch, talk much with you, for the prince of this world comes and he has nothing in me, but that the world may know that I love the Father. And as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. He says, arise, let us go here. He said, I am the true vine, and my Father's the husbandman. So he sets forth the relationship. He says, I am the vine. If you stay knit to me, close to me, stay in my word, meditate on my word, ask me questions, ask me to help you to understand the Bible, ask me to help you to understand what you're called to do and help you in your life. He said, if you'll do that, he says, the Father will help you through me. And he says, if you'll stay with me, you'll please the Father. You know, I mentioned before that many times we love Jesus, but we're scared of the Father. We're not sure what he thinks. Well, Jesus said, if you see me, you see we're the same one. I don't do anything. You can love the Father. huh? You can trust him. He said, the Father and I are one. He says, but what the Father does is the Father judges whether or not you've grown to the place I want you to grow, and then what's in your life that's not good for you so that you can stay close to me. He said the Father makes the decision to prune away those things. That's why many times we see bad habits leaving. Sometimes we have bad habits and they won't go anywhere. And you wonder about that. Father, are you pleased with that? Huh? He must be because if he wasn't, he'd prune it. You understand what I'm saying? It helps you not to get ahead of God. He doesn't want you getting ahead of him. He wants you to do things that are right before him. And he says you're going to bear much fruit. What's that? It's the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, love, joy, peace. Things that don't make for you to, to, to walk in love. He gets rid of those things. Things that don't help you to walk in joy. He gets rid of those things. Sometimes he'll graft more fruit of the Spirit in those places where he just cut something off. 
He'll get rid of friends, and you'll find that you enjoy life more. You're not as stressed as you were, all that kind of stuff. Why? Because whatever was feeding that, he cut it off. It's not there anymore. You think you've got to struggle to get, get wrong things out of your life? i got another thought coming for you. The Father will let you grow up with it, and then you make up your mind you don't want it one day, and he gets rid of it for you. He knows how to work with you especially on the plan of God that he has for you. He wants us all to grow in the image of Christ. He wants to see his son more and more in each and every one of us. That's what the father's after. Why? Because he loves the son and he loves you so much he will not leave you like you are. Huh? And if we looked at ourselves real good, would we realize what a hot mess we are? And then you say, but I'm so content in my hot messedness. What is wrong with me? Huh? No, you're not all you ever want to be. Who is? But you have peace. But the father says, look at that. That's my kid. Look, they're making the best efforts they can make. He loves us so much. Don't ever condemn. Well, how, Tanya, how much time do I have? Ooh, well. But uh, listen, listen, he, don't get hard on yourself. Don't stop that. Stop that. Don't condemn. Don't do that. I was, I was somewhere, I forget where I was, and uh, had a prayer line, I think it was. And there was a woman standing there. She was like... She was a mom of maybe some teenage kids in the church. And God had asked her to teach dance to them, minister. And the little dance group came up, and they did a wonderful job, anointed, everything. And she was standing at the altar, and God showed me a picture of him in heaven with a refrigerator with stickers on it, magnets on it. And it was pictures of her teaching dance. And I said, you know what? I said, God just showed me something. I said, he's got a refrigerator in heaven with magnets. I said, and your picture's on there with the girls dancing. And she just wept. She said, you know what? She said, I feel so bad because I don't know anything about dance. She said, I love God, but I've never been trained. She said, and I couldn't figure out why God chose me to do this. She said, and I struggle every time I have to teach these girls something. She said, it's really, really hard for me because I don't feel qualified. I don't feel I do it. She said, I've asked God to find somebody else. Nobody else ever comes. She said, and I do it because there's nobody else. She said, and I never really thought that maybe God chose me. And he appreciates what I'm doing. The least efforts, folks. You know how parents, you know, everybody, every parent's got a scrapbook or, you know, over the years maybe you lose a few, but you keep them little where the feet are too big and the little stick arms come out because those are your, those, that's your seed. You love their, their little efforts. You just love that stuff. God treats us the same way. If you could get over the performance mentality. Now, we say we don't believe in that, but we do. We're all trying to kick it as best we can, you know, and trying to get it, huh, show, show God something so he can give me something. Never cut it. He doesn't want that. 
He does not want that out of you. Maybe we would be still and let him and find out that he is God. Let's just let him start moving some stuff on his own sometimes and see if your life won't come into order. Huh? I can guarantee you this. Everybody that you had a relationship based on performance has failed you. God will make sure it happens. Huh? To keep you out of that business and let you get over into the peace and comfort and safety of the Holy Spirit. It's better living like this. Do right by people, love people, but when people get fed up with you, let them adjust. Amen? Let them adjust. You make peace with them as best you can. You need to go to them and and just beg their forgiveness. You do that. Yeah, I did that with my husband. I begged him to stay with me so I knew I could get better. I couldn't get better wondering about bills. Pastor Shirley went with me. She talked to him on my behalf. And years later, I mentioned that to him when he was dying. I said, you know, I said, I never told you. I appreciate you didn't leave me there. And he cried. He said, please don't mention that. So please don't mention that. I've always felt so bad about that. Don't feel that people who wrong you are the worst people in the world. They're human just like you. Maybe they never say anything about it. But you don't know. It's not your business how they feel. It's God's business to let him square that with them. That's between them and God. That's not your business. But your business is to love them, to forgive them, to let God help them through you as much as you possibly can. And when you can't do any more, just continue to believe God for what they need and for what you need. This is a much better covenant than the Old Testament. Why? Because you get forgiven over and over and over again. You're never out of this covenant. It's an eternal covenant. God put this covenant in place to let you know that at least from one person, you are 100% loved. You're 100% appreciated. You don't have to perform for God. He loved you when you were dirty and nasty and sin and didn't care about him and know anything about him. So you can't hang it on him that he doesn't love you. But he loves you and he wants you to know that. His love is everlasting. His love will never end. His love will chase you and follow you to the ends of the earth. His love will not give up on you. You can give up on yourself. You can be as faithless as you want to be. But then God will pop up out of nowhere helping you again, being faithful to you. You think you're mad at him? You're not going to serve God no more? You're not going to go this and look at the saints and all this? He don't care about that. He cares about you and him. He don't care about you and the saints. He'll straighten that out. You understand me? He cares about you. He cares about you. He cares about you. And is it worth what he's asking you to do to serve him? you got to make up your mind about that. I can't tell you it is or it isn't. But I know he wants you to make up your mind about it. Amen. He wants people who are committed. He wants people who feel like it's worth it, who realize what the stakes are in this world. Eternity versus the little momentary comfort or whatever it is we think we're looking for. It's going to make us happy. Just pray for people who don't feel that way. Pray for people who don't see it, that their eyes would be opened up. 
that they were the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened that they would have a relationship with the hope of their calling who is jesus christ now when you leave this earth you've taken none of this with you you'll regret the years you sweated over things huh yeah because i mean what's it for huh but you can have everything in christ everything and more besides is unlimited what he wants to do for us amen amen father we thank you for your word and for understanding we thank you lord for blessing us